it was like I started to surrender into the devastation and fell into a vast field of peace that was omnipresent, embracing me. It also had an innocence in it, and I didn't have a name for it, but it was pervading all of existence. And I asked the peace that was in the room, how, how to complete. And the simple word forgiveness arose. And of course, when I heard that word, my therapist thinking mind just, you know, checked in and said, oh, what a load of crap that is. What difference could forgiveness make? I've therapy, been there, done that, got the t-shirt on this issue. But I thought, you know what? I can't afford not to forgive. one person actually make a difference in unifying the entire world? What are some tools I can use to live a life of more freedom? These are just some of the concepts you'll hear about in every episode of See One Beautiful Soul. Welcome back to See One Beautiful Soul. I'm Barbara Heller. Today's guest is Brandon Bays. She is a best-selling author. She is the founder of The Journey Work at thejourney.com. She teaches her work in over 30 countries, leading programs for adults and for children. You can find out more about her at thejourney.com. Please follow us at C1 Beautiful Soul in our community group on Facebook, as well as our page, C1 Beautiful Soul. You can also follow me on Instagram at Barbie Heller. That's B-A-R-B-I-E-H-E-L-L-E-R. I am currently posting at least one video a day, Monday through Friday, that is funny and usually inspirational. Please send me a direct message there. I try to answer every single one of them in a timely fashion, or you can reach me at info at Hi, Brandon! Oh my gosh, how wonderful to see you. Your book, The Journey, was handed to me by one of the holiest women I've ever known. Hannah Losher. She is a grandmother. She is a great-grandmother. She is a mother of 10. She looks like you. She's tall and beautiful and blonde. Anyway, she handed it to me as I was leaving Israel. I had been asked to go there and help teenage girls with their mindfulness doing a play. I was flown there to do that. And as I was leaving her home, beautiful overlooking the mountains of Israel. She handed me a book and she said, read this on the plane. It's where you need to go next. And I thought, okay. And your picture stunningly beautiful, just like you are right now, radiating. (laughs) This feels a little hokey. And I get on the plane and I can't put it down. A year later, I'm cleaning out my apartment. I'm moving to New York City. It's the last item in my home that I have to give back to someone. And I mail it to Israel. Maybe a few months later, it's Passover time. It's about letting go and bringing in the new. I'm sitting in a tea parlor in Atlanta. And it's Passover. I can have tea. I just can't eat any bread. And there's this beautiful South African woman who's sitting, or the only two people in the whole tea garden. And we start talking about Passover. She's Jewish. And she says, you know, you should like really come to New York and do this Brandon Bays retreat. And I said, but did you just say Brandon Bays? And she goes, yes, that's, that's my teacher. And I'm going to be with her in a hundred Jewish women <laughs> in New York city in June. And you should come. And I looked at her. I said, there's no one else here right now. And she said, yeah, I know. I said, no, no, there's no one else in the garden except me. And, you. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, I know. I can see. I said, I've never heard that woman's name except when I was in Israel. And it was, so I tell her the whole story. She gets me to come to your program. There's one spot left. It's me. It's me. I'm sitting there. We do the 45 minute meditation. And thank God I was one of the only people that was in that room. I don't know if you remember who didn't have a physical issue, you know, or like battling. Right. But I am, I teach mindfulness. I, I perform stuff. I like to get connected. So I go into my heart because I haven't met my soulmate yet. It's like one of my biggest challenges and blessings that I'm still floating through this world alone with myself. I go through the heart. 45 minutes later, there's a harp. At the bottom of my heart was a harp, a golden harp. And my learning partner whispers in my ear and she goes, what does it sound like? And I say, you are gold, you are pristine, you are gold, you're like a queen, you are love, you are home, you are gold. And she says, that's such a beautiful song. Who wrote it? 
and I have tears streaming down my face. I'm sweating bullets. And I said, God, and she goes, that's cute. I know I'm a religious Jew, but like who really wrote it? I said, I, I guess I transmitted it, you know, cause I, we, you and I both know nothing comes from us. It's, we're just, yeah. she was there to receive what I was receiving in that moment. And then I ran up to you and you said, you said, okay, now did anyone get anything? And I ran up to the stage and you said, I remember very well. What are you yeah. doing here? I'm in the middle. I said, I, it's a song and I wrote it in the meditation. She said, oh, well then get up here. And I sang it and then we sang it to each. And it was like, oh, I just can't it, had, it brought my hair up on end. It was so beautiful. And I've never forgotten that moment. Yeah, it was divinely inspired, undoubtedly. And uh, I, I have read about how you've, with that, won an award. And what really moved me about that is that your voice carries the transmission of that presence, that divine presence. And in the singing of it, uh, it's in the spaces between the notes that people are receiving the gift of what that song is. And so I, uh, I'm really thrilled that it's gotten out far enough so that, you know, there are those that are listening to it, but they're listening with their ears and yet something is going in and touching their hearts. And so as it did just then when you were just singing and uh, yeah, and so I'm praying that it becomes a holy transmission of grace that uh, when people listen to it, something profound happens within them. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, it is really a testament to the work that you do, that we do, that you've shown me how to do. You've shown so many people. And I remember walking up to this woman afterwards and she said, I don't have MS anymore. Brandon saved my life. And it was just like, <laughs> that happened in the same day. And I, and I wasn't such a believer at first, even though I read the book, I was like, come on, you know, you and I both we're, 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 we're scientific in a way. It's like, I want to see it in person mm -hmm. and just being there and having that overwhelming experience. It just, I mean, what you did in that room and how you did it and, and everyone was talking so much. And I remember I got on stage and I was like, guys, you got to show her the good side of this group of people. Cause I know it. Cause I'm not super <laughs> religious. I'm somewhere in the middle yeah. and I didn't grow up religious, but I was enthralled by them and you became enthralled and you had such a reason to be annoyed. And you said, you are the, I remember, forget it. You said, this is the most intelligent group of people I've ever been with. Mm -hmm. And not one person there, except for like a few of us, like went to a graduate program, you know, like a lot of them didn't even have degree. No, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I, all I know is that you know, when I'm, I am the room, when I'm in the room and I'm, I feel myself to be part of everyone. And I could feel the, the keenness, the sharpness and how pristine their minds were. And it was so good to be received and on, also understood. I work in 39 countries and they're all different languages. I know how much the English is penetrating and I can feel when it's not. And with this particular group, I, I just felt like, whoa, every word is going in. There's a way in which I felt like they could almost verbatim, you know, play it back to me. And it was not just going in at the level of the mind. It was being perceived from the intellect, from the infinite awareness. And I felt privileged to be with this group of ladies who were so finely attuned both to their hearts. You can listen with your heart, but also you that keen intellect was delicious for me. And to feel that they are really getting this. <laughs> and hanging on every word and then wanting to process it. And that's how Jewish people learn from a little kid. You always have a chavruta, a partner. And so I was like trying to defend them. And I, I felt so bad and I'm such respect for you. And I was like, could you just be quiet for one sec? She's trying to get it, be listened. She'll... <laughs> During COVID, I made a $50,000 project with $1. <laughs> wow. Everybody came out because they were, all my friends were dying to make a project. They just showed up. What I'm speaking about here is the music video that I produced for the song that I wrote, 
during my journey work with Brandon. The song is called You Are Gold and you can find that music video as well as some behind the scenes footage on YouTube under You Are Gold by Barbara Heller. It's already won two awards in film festivals. And listen up at the end of this episode to hear the song You Are Gold. Like we have crazy amounts of of set that were free. Someone just donated it and we were socially and it was all a miracle how it unfolded. And I really believe it's because of you. So thank you for that. When I heard you say, I'm so grateful for every single thing that has happened to me and through me, because that means that anyone in here who's had a similar thing, I can, I can relate to you. That something literally inside of me that I'd been working towards my whole life just settled. It was as if I realized why we all grow through the things that we grow through and it's so powerful. And so I'd love for you to speak for a moment about what forgiveness means to you. Take a breath. and I came from a very violent background, domestically challenged. And as a matter of fact, my sister, who was five years younger than me, she kept a journal of all the violence that she witnessed because she was sure that I would get killed. She couldn't protect attacked me from it, but she was going to take that journal to the judge and let the judge know. So it was quite brutal in our house. As you can imagine, through the process of uncovering cell memories from the past, it's not surprising that this whole issue of childhood abuse came up so strongly for me. Obviously, I've been on this personal growth path on a spiritual path that had, and also in the field of integrative medicine and well-being and had been certified in so many fields. And also being a New Yorker, I'd spent eight years in New York going through therapy to deal with this violent past of mine. I thought I'd come to a place of complete understanding, compassion. I understand my mother was in World War II in Austria. Her husband was shot down by the Luftwaffe. Her father was put in a Nazi prison and shot through the head. She was left a mother who gave birth to a child without the father there anymore, ended up marrying my dad. She came to America and then her daughter drowned. And so it's almost like she just lost it. And the way that that fear of no matter where you go, America was supposedly a country of freedom where her children would be safe. And then her little angelic daughter drowns. So I'm born as the replacement child a, a year later. I understand all this. I get this, that she had me on a leash this short. And anytime I did something like even drop a doll, she would freak out and I'd get thrown against the wall, sometimes choked. And so it was a thing as a therapist. Of course, I came to a place of acceptance. So when I went on the journey inside my own body and uncovered the cell memory, and I thought it can't be this. I've so long since come to a place of acceptance, but I went through a process of release and letting go as I've done so many times around this issue. And when I arrived at the end of the process, I asked, am I complete? And the simple word, no, arose in my awareness. And I was plunged into despair because Mm. I thought, I don't know what else to do with this. I've already handled this issue. I've come to a place of acceptance. I've come to a place of understanding, compassion. Still, that's not enough. And something let go inside of myself. And truthfully, I just gave up. And when I let go, it was like I started to surrender into the devastation and fell into a vast field of peace that was omnipresent, embracing me. It also had an innocence in it, and I didn't have a name for it, but it was pervading all of existence. And I asked the peace that was in the room, how, how to complete? And the simple word forgiveness arose. And of course, when I heard that word, my therapist thinking mind just, you know, checked in and said, oh, what a load of crap that is. What difference could forgiveness make? I mean, I, I've been through so much therapy, been there, done that, got the t-shirt on this issue. But I thought, you know what? I can't afford not to forgive. And I wasn't even sure I knew how to forgive because I thought by being accepting, and compassionate and understanding that indeed that was a kind of forgiveness. But I opened my heart into a very exposed, boldly naked place. And I attempted with all my heart to forgive. 
And it hurt because I had to face down 30 years of this noble Brandon, you know, a compassionate therapist who's come to understand her violent past. <laughs> and I had to face Sounds like a movie trailer. False, yeah, false identity that I'd identified with. And it hurt to face down that much pride. But finally, I did open beyond the pride. And I stepped down off that self-made pedestal that I was on. And I opened my heart to forgive. And I wholeheartedly forgave. And a mysterious and quite wondrous thing happened. When I completely forgave without holding back anything, not yes, but yes, but, but wholeheartedly forgave. It's as if I finally let go of the whole story of pain of my childhood. It's not that I was forgiving her. It's that in wholeheartedly forgiving, I let go of my story of me and my story of childhood abuse. And when we know the rest of the story, I did three more journey-like processes that also involved this. And six and a half weeks later, I was diagnosed to be textbook perfect clean, completely free from that basketball-sized tumor. And so in my own world, I, I feel that with forgiveness, it's not really that you can forgive someone else. That's their work. Do you know what I mean? What forgiveness does when you really, genuinely, and vulnerably, and in a, the most naked way, offer wholehearted forgiveness, it stops your story. It's over. So that when new cells were born, of course, they were born devoid of that old consciousness as new regenerative cells. And so it's why that woman, you know, that was at our seminar said, I healed from MS with the journey is because we're clearing the consciousness. But I feel that the final key, and it, it, it is forgiveness. And that the truth of the matter is I've not come across any religion. And I've, you know, traveled on my spiritual journey in life through most of the world's great spiritual traditions. I mean, it started in New York City where I was studying Kabbalah for a year. I was immersed in that. And then I went to India and, and I've studied Buddhism and Hinduism and Jain and, and then Sufi tradition and on and on. And there's one immutable principle that seems to be the hallmark in all traditions is the healing power of forgiveness. I, of course, did my New Year's prayers. And one of the prayers that came up just now, there's a lot of strife going on in America right now. America is the most divided I've ever known. I've never known it in my life to be, and I'm 67 years old. To see the division in families about what's happening politically, that it's pulling families apart. It's destroying them. I have friends who are on both sides of the divide. And I found myself, uh, when I was putting out my prayers, my vision for this year, and I made a list of the people that I was most grateful for. And on that list, I decided that I would choose love. That at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what our opinions are. In order to choose love, I had to first choose forgiveness. Because that's where in choosing forgiveness and opening my heart utterly to forgiveness, that I let go of my judgmental story of blame. Like, can't you read the facts? You know, my mind full of that. And it's an interesting thing I, in choosing love, the precursor to that for me, to fully allow people their opinion had to be the forgiveness. And it, it's, it's liberated me. And I thought, you know, we have such a short life to live. And how do I want to live it with these people that I love? And I want to dance lightly in love with them in this love, this 
universal, all-embracing love that pervades the universe. I want to dance slightly with that and offer no judgment to whatever path people are on. And for me, paramount to that was forgiveness. And to know with my mom, it was an interesting thing with, after I went through healing from the tumor and of course the violence was coming from her. And I called her up three months after I healed from the tumor and I said, hello, mom, I just want you to know I had a tumor, it's gone. And, and not to worry, because I knew if I told her while I was going through the whole process of healing, she'd freak out, want me in hospital, all her judgment would come my way. And I didn't want to invite that. I just wanted to be on my own spiritual journey, my own healing journey. And so I called her up and told her it happened and it was gone. And she called me up two weeks later and she has this Austrian voice. You know, she said, Brandon. She said, I don't know what has happened to you, but she said, I feel like you have become a holy person. And can I come out to, and by then I'd moved from Malibu, from New York to Malibu, come out to Malibu and sit on your deck and look out at the ocean with you. <laughs> I put down the phone and I, I thought, I'm not suddenly become a holy person. And my mother, she couldn't sit still for two minutes to sit and look out to see. But somehow she'd gotten it through the ethers, through consciousness. That 30 years of a blame game was finally over. And that I'd completely forgiven her. And the beautiful thing was, as I had another 24 years to have a love affair with my mom. And she died a couple of years ago. And the craziest thing of all of it is I found out in the last three years that I was her favorite child. And she was so violent because she was so terrified of losing another daughter. And uh, so... Forgiveness is a powerful thing. It affects others. And then them forgiving themselves, that's their journey. Thank you. Wow. I couldn't interrupt you because I was like, there's just, <laughs> I mean, I could listen to you talk for hours. And I have. I actually have. And it's well worth it. I'm so grateful that I got to be on the journey for a whole week in New York City. And I'd love for our listeners, I want to tease them with this episode because I want them to go deep into the journey work. That's my goal for this episode. I want them to buy the journey, the books, my favorite color, purple on the cover, and you're on the cover. And when you see her face, guys, you're just going to have to buy the book because you're like, who is this bright and shining light woman? Like <laughs> She's literally like a light bulb. And in person, that is how Brendan comes across. It's sort of like being at a stadium with lights when you look into her face. She she and she talks about sorry I'm, I'm talking about you in the third person but you um <laughs> it's audio so it's kind of like third person and yeah, everything's yeah. energy and time and space so i just got back from joe dispenza you guys remind me so much of each other and i think that's a compliment to both of you yeah i hear it all the time byron katie oh, and joe dispenza God. all the time in yeah. the same sentences by my students who go to there. And I always send my love. It seems to go backwards and forwards, you know, with their students. Well, I think, and this brings me to my question. I think what the three of you have in common, you really are concerned about the listener's experience, taking it home and processing it. And you're giving it away. You literally give it away. And I, there's nothing wrong with Tony or all these other people that I, Deepak, Oprah, I listen to all of you guys. There is something about Byron and you and Joe that is just palpable. It's it's literally like being in synagogue for me, mm. where I feel like I'm walking away with a, an entire toolbox that was gifted to me on top of the experience. I don't know if that makes yes, sense. That is I know there's there. people listening, they get it because there's so much information out there. There's, and I call it technology. I think what the journey is, is technology. Mm -hmm. I think what Byron Byron's the work is technology. Dr. Joe meditations is a technology and it's all going towards the quantum field. And it's so challenging to, to get it in the brain. So if you have the pleasure and the honor and the opportunity to listen and spend time with, even if it's recorded with, with one of you guys, there is something that's transmitted that's beyond. You had to let go of your pride that you were a master of 
forgiveness by wholeheartedly forgiving. And (laughs) I wonder if there's something to that for a speaker, because we look, so many people had already already looked up to you. You already were a holy person, but there was a little fixing. So if you could just talk about that, because I want to go a little deeper in that process for you. You had to let, what did it mean for you to let go of your pride? It, it, it truly what happened at the time, what I saw was the falsehood of recognizing that part of my understanding my mother's violence, part of my pseudo compassion, part of the, that was all about confirming to myself that I'm a good person. I latched onto, does that, who, who is able to be compassionate towards someone who, you know, for, you know, my sister used to stay in the same room with me. And one of the things in her journal was that there was a time when I was 16 years old that my mother would come with a butcher knife and hold it two inches from my nose. I remember that. And say she was gonna kill me during the night. So when I say it was brutal, it was brutal. <laughs> and um, you can imagine the kind of terror I didn't sleep a wink, you know, waiting for her to come kill me in the night. And so I built up what I recognize now was this compassionate understanding facade that in asking, and I asked of God, of the divine in myself, uh, that I really genuinely wanted to forgive. And it was almost like this facade of understanding, compassion, really getting why she did what she did, is was standing in the way of raw, naked exposure to complete forgiveness. I realized I, I literally had to let go of all this pride in being this good person who understood who who had compassion i had to let go all that pride and it, it physically hurt to do that because when you spend a lifetime trying to confirm to yourself that you're a good person that you're a kind person that you're a loving person that you're compassionate that you're understanding that you truly do try to understand what other that all when that gets taken out of the way it, it feels like you're losing who you are And you know how they talk about the smashing of the ego in that moment, it was like a a pot was smashing the construct that I had made of who I thought I was up until that moment. Mm. And I had to be willing for that to smash. And that hurt. It hurt my heart. It hurt being wise. But when the whole lie fell away what was revealed was this immense capacity to forgive wholeheartedly without holding anything back and it wasn't like I was capable of holding anything back it's like all the universe flooded forgiveness in and forgiveness was offered through me Intellectually, cognitively, and I think I remember hearing this from you at the journey work. It it wasn't about the the mom, and it wasn't about all the other. I mean, your ex husband and all these things that I, you guys got to read her story. It's unbelievable. It just keeps going, and just when you think it's over, it's like oh, and then your house burned down. Oh, and then the cheating. It, it, it's crazy, but it's it's almost like all those people or all those things you you realize it was all coming from source. And so you really actually not forgive God, but just allow that these were all blessings because everything that has happened had to happen. Or I couldn't be sitting here right now speaking the truth from the depth of personal experience. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of potted wisdom you know, that you pull from different spiritual traditions. Mm. But yes, I had to have a tumor and to realize that with the tumor, with the healing from it, that actually I'm not my body. This that I am is not my body. And then when my house burned down, (laughs) we had no insurance or anything and we lost everything. We lost everything financially. I had to realize that the who I am is not my material possession. 
And then when my husband left me after 21 years of what I thought was the deepest, truest love and a legendary romance and, and left me for a much younger woman a year after the house burned down, I had to realize I'm actually, this that I am is not my marriage. Yeah. I'm not my relationships. This that I am is pervading all of existence and people come and people go and lifestyles come and lifestyles go and marriages come and marriages go and houses come and houses go and jobs come and jobs go. But there is this presence, this love that does not come and does not go. And I made a vow that I would be true to truth because it had been true to me when everything else had forsaken me. And so my whole life since that time, I am so grateful that everything that took place, which in most people's lives, one of those things might take place, but not a series of losing your job, losing your family, losing your, your house, uh, almost dying, you know, losing your marriage. You know, usually they don't get compiled in such a short period of time. And that was what was needed. It's almost like you really were a soulmate for your mother in, in that sense, because hearing her story and all the tragedy that happened to her in such a short amount of time, um, you, I mean, in my, in our tradition, I'll say our, because it's, everything is everything. And you know, about Kabbalistic Judaism, that our, our neshama, our soul literally chooses the parents so that we can tikkun, we can fix that, which needs to be perfected, even though I hate that word or healed. And I mean, if anyone's winning this in this lifetime, I'm looking at <laughs> random bays. I mean, you're just like you show up and I didn't get to finish the sentence before you literally look like lights are shining out of your mouth and your eyeballs. It's, it's amazing. It's like, it's literally, you can't walk by Brandon. And, I, and when I first met you in person, I was taken aback um, because I saw that light. And I thought to myself, that which I see is what I am. Am I that shiny? And it brings me to this idea in the Talmud that says that we have a light that's so bright inside of us. We actually can't see it, but if we're lucky, we can reflect it in other people's eyes. Isn't that gorgeous? When I saw you, I understood it. I understood what that light was because I was like, she's got to be wearing something. Like there's something. (laughs) Brandon's light is so bright. It's like the sun. It's like, I mean, it's insane. And I, I stood two feet away from Joe Dispenza and he is so bright too, but it's different. I mean, and everyone has their own flavor of light that shines just like almost in his voice. And he just sits back and like, all right, so I'm going to talk to you for nine hours today. I'm not going to get tired. I'm not pushing. It's crazy. He just effortless (laughs) voice. And I'm I'm a voiceover artist like I, but you, it's just so bright. You guys have to experience Brandon in person one day, please. God will get back. So, so my other question, which is on everybody's mind, there is a truth that feels so palpable that we're almost like dancing and skating around. And I started to understand it in a new way when I heard you talk about 5D and we're going to get a little woo woo here, but is, is there anything you want to share with, cause I know that you have got to be praying on this and you've got to be speaking on this. And if you were, if you were doing the journey today, it would be a different setup because it feels, I mean, we keep hearing, at least in my circle of like who I go to, the great awakening, the truth is coming out. What do you have to say about that? What what can we do to prepare for all the beauty? Forget, everyone's scared of it. I'm not scared. I'm like, bring it on. Like everything is from God, <laughs> right? Like what can yeah. we be celebrating right now and how do we prepare for it? Because clearly something is even though I do feel that there is a transmutation of consciousness that's available to all of us. Prophecies about this is a time of awakening. It's true. You said that will sound a bit woo-woo, and it does to me. I'll tell you why. I feel that awakening is a love affair with yourself. Each person has to feel that calling, that fire within themselves, that longing to come home to the truth inside themselves. It's said that you live millions of lifetimes 
till you get to the one lucky lifetime where the wheel of karma stops, where you can get off and you're offered the opportunity of liberation in that lifetime, offered the opportunity of awakening, of realizing your infinite self, recognizing the truth of what you are. And I feel that we're living in a time where COVID is a wonderful thing that's happened in one way. It's put us all into lockdown. How do you deal with the fact that you do not know from day to day what is going to happen? What it's doing, it's triggering people big time. And as you know, from the journey and from all the science out there, that when you feel a strong emotion and you repress it, it releases a quantifiable biochemistry into the bloodstream, which goes to certain cell receptors and blocks them, rendering those cells incapable of communicating with the rest of the cells in the body. And if over time illness happens, it happens where the cells are blocked. And conversely, what's also known to be true is that when we feel our emotions just very freely, our cell receptors stay open. So there is a, a biochemical effect that when we shut our emotions down, which is what's happening with most people, that biochemistry is being re released and it's getting buried in our bodies. And so what's happening with the continued stress and continued living in the unknown and not being able to see our elderly loved ones, and they may be in care homes and we're not allowed there. and having to walk around in masks and feeling uncomfortable with that and everything. In the stress, our buttons are being pushed and these old buried issues that may have been with us since we were five years old, eight year old, 10 year olds, they're being driven to the surface. And so it's an opportunity for all of humanity to welcome those issues to finally be met, to be experienced, to be embraced, and to be released, let go of, forgiven, so that when new cells are born, they're born devoid of that old issue. And so that's why with me, as soon as I got here, starting March 14th, I got online. I realized that people were out there living in stress, anxiety, fear, constant fear consciousness everywhere you go, frustration, exasperation, violence was coming out, anger was coming out. And every single day for three months, I got online and gave the work away, the technology away, as you call it, gave the journey away to give people online sessions where they could find a way to come to a place of peace in themselves. And then after about uh, three months of that, I realized people were loving it, but they needed the full, full Patucci. They needed the full experience of the journey intensive. And I can promise you it was the biggest stretch I've ever had to have was going online and offering the journey intensive online. And the reason is, I mean, I've been live streaming since 2011, as have any of us who are really immersed in this field. But one of the hallmarks of the journey is that we have a, a you know, a practitioner or a trainer there for every two couples that are processing. So the, you've got this amazing embrace so that no matter how powerful whatever's coming up for you comes up, you have this expertise, you have this love holding you in this safe embrace. And I wondered how, how is it going to be that we can create this same embrace of, of safety and expertise? And we spent lots of money on a platform that allows people that not only do they get the teaching, the full on depth of teaching, and they say their houses fill up with this presence that you talk about and that they, you know, get the meditations, the teachings with me. But then they go into these breakout rooms where they're just processing with one other person and a trainer is there to oversee it. What's been so moving to me about this whole consciousness of COVID is it's, it's made me have to stretch beyond every comfort zone I had. And now the entire Journey Practitioners program has gone online. When I have satsang with sharing sessions with them, they're having more profound experience than they did in the same seminar that you took in New York City. The reason being because they're safe. 
They're in their own homes. They're not looking around. What is she thinking? What she's thinking? He's listening to discussions, phones going on. So people are having the most immense support. And, you know, I usually do a global gathering about once a month online now. People who've been to the journey and who have not been the journey are welcome to come. And I'm blown away. They're saying it's like having a front row seat, but they never could have gotten through this last year. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you're without afraid. this kind of support. Is there a call for awakening? It feels like life has created an opportunity for that, where a lot of people are in lockdown, especially here in the Northern Hemisphere giving them the opportunity that if there is this longing to heal your life, then suddenly, and it wasn't available until March, it's almost like even technology made it possible that if people have a longing for awakening and healing, you're speaking about Joe Dispenza, you're speaking about Byron Katie, suddenly all of us who really are in love with the in-person meeting. I'm finding it is the most intimate thing, sharing with people where I'm looking directly into their eyes. Mm -hmm. And it's like they're sitting with me on the couch in the room and I'm using all the work. We're doing yoga together and breath work together and we're chanting and we're meditating. And it's amazing to me, the results that people, it could never have happened had this pandemic happened the year before. It's almost like all of life conspired that if there is this longing to heal your life, you now have the time, you have the space, and you have the technology to find your way to methodology yeah. that gets lasting results. Well, so how can people find out more about you? The easiest is just get on the journey.com. Your prayer is that they go out and buy the book. And yes, please go do that. There's an abbreviated version of the book. That's a free download. Your husband's book too. Please promote that. I've written six books. And the sixth one, I did the foreword for Kevin's book, which is called Light in the Heart of Darkness. The surprising truth about depression and how to free yourself from its grips. When Kevin first came to the journey, he was 38 years old. And that was 26 years ago. He had been diagnosed with chronic and incurable genetically inherited depression, was on a cocktail of drugs, diazepam, dimazepam, and, and Prozac, and was told he'd never get off the drug. That's depressing. Yes. Uh, because it was genetically inherited and his mother had died of breast cancer, but she had depression her whole life. He was told he'd never be off the drugs. And he came to the journey, his longing to heal was greater than all of what had been spoken to him and also the biochemical effect of the drugs. Mm. And when he did the journey, I'm not gonna say it was easy for him because he was narcotized by the drugs. Mm. And it requires that you feel emotionally. And of course the drugs were shutting him down. And so it took him longer than it would have taken most people, but when he opened into this infinite intelligence, you know, this part of you that makes your heart beat and your eyes shine and your hair grow, he was able to look back at his entire life and see the entire play of depression and found the emotional root cause, what had started the whole game of depression. And that day he finished with it. Hmm. And he wasn't even able to hold on to his drugs anymore. He tried to take them and his body kept regurgitating them up. And eventually over time they fell away and it was very painful because, you know, you're not supposed to go cold turkey, but he couldn't keep the medicine down. He wanted to use the journey to serve those who have depression to be able to become free from it. And so he became my business partner. And then ultimately a soft romance rose out of that. And he's now my husband and he's also CEO of the journey and he's dedicated his life to developing the work to serve those, to free themselves from depression. And right now that work is so needed. It is so needed. So get on Amazon. Uh, the journey was an international bestseller and the Amazon definitely, it was a number one bestseller. And I pray that you'll feel called from within it. 
you have to feel the emotional call from within yourself. Mm. You have to feel it's right for you. And in reading the book, you'll know whether this is right for you or not. It will speak truth to truth. The truth in the book will speak to the truth in your heart. There's a journey intensive happening in uh, America. So on American and Canadian time zone in uh, Europe, there's journey intensives happening in Australia. It's being supported so beautifully by all these practitioners and trainers. And I'm in awe when I get a chance to work with each of these my deepest prayer is not only that you have this deep immersion and this liberating experience and that you find your way home to yourself, but I always say at the end of the workshop, please give this work away. Give it to your children, give it to your parents, give it to your loved ones, help them to take the lampshade off their lights. And so this is what I pray is that you becoming a living transmission of this work and that you use this work to serve life. Mm. And for me, it's why I breathe. I just want to end with, you've spoken almost like it's been a dance, this whole conversation about love. It keeps coming in and out love for your mother falling. You said falling deeply in love with her. I, I just love that. Cause I, I had to forgive both my parents, lots of cool, interesting things. And I, I'm forgiving my soulmate for not showing up yet <laughs> or, <laughs> or myself for not allowing him to show up for those of us who are single right now. Cause I'm one of those people in this moment during COVID who are online dating. When I listened to your story of your husband, I could easily look, listen to it from a critical eye, which I don't even know if everyone, anyone has thought about before, but you are like this evolved beyond evolved person, right? You even said, I let go of my playing forgiveness. Then I became forgiveness, right? And then this guy walks in who's clinically depressed. That's a label. I don't believe in labels, but let's say that's where he came from in a day or by the end of the journey, a few days, he's changed a changed man. And you start a friendship, which blossoms into a love affair. I want people to really grasp this. Okay. Cause it's so easy to write. Oh, I can't be with him. I'm the evolved one. And he's clinically depressed. I'll never go out with that guy. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? So what do you have to say, given that was your journey? Uh, what I love about Kevin and what I value most in life is my life is being given in service to truth. That's my greatest love in life. When I met Kevin, in spite of all the months that body detoxing and, and what I saw was a fellow lover of truth. So I found someone whose desire to serve life, to serve people in becoming free, healing their lives, finding wholeness in their families, waking up to the infinite divine potential that is all of our essence, that his passion was identical to my own. And it was only very, almost from the back door that this, this love affair softly, like I always say, it's like came in on like cat, cat's paws and softly, softly it blossomed into love. And yesterday was our 23rd wedding anniversary here. Couldn't go to a restaurant, couldn't celebrate in any way, but we went for a walk by the sea. And um, I realized that the love we share, the fresh young love of new love. But this love, it's its always fresh and it's always new. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel it something deepens. Like in the love that we share, something is just deepening. I made a vow and this comes back to love when I met him. You know, you, you, I'm using your words now. You're this evolved person and this is guy clinically depressed on drugs, you know, and not from my background at all, right? Because I'd been on a spiritual path, you know, and at that point at 40 years old, la, la, la. I made a vow. I would accept him wholly. And wholly. All of him. <laughs> completely. I would accept him completely. All parts of him. Mm. And when I made that vow, then there was no expectation. Should he evolve faster? Will he ever understand this? What if he doesn't? All that spiritual bullshit. 
fell away. Mm -hmm. And it's just accepting what's here right now. And in the past, because we were traveling to different parts of the world and giving seminars at different, you know, continents even, that I, we spent 65% of the time apart, even though we're so deeply in love and 35% of the time together. And this is the first time in the 20, nearly 26 years of this relationship, I'm 23 years of marriage, that we've actually been together wow. this entire time since March. And it's, and it's strengthening, it's getting better. It's just, it's, the love is so, I don't know where he ends and I begin, and he's definitely not my other half. I'm exactly. whole and he's whole. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. And I think that really speaks to how to make one beautiful soul to, to take it to a global level. It sounds like that's what we have to do to unify is accept. It sounds hokey, but that's the title of this podcast. It's literally, if we can see oneness, if we're all just extensions of each other, when I don't like, and seeing you is what I have to work on in myself. It sounds like that's it's what you're true. saying. Holy yeah. is holy. Getting someone whole yeah. And seeing it and loving it is actually the holiest work, it sounds like. I feel that way too. And one of the greatest gifts with this acceptance is non-compromising. It's not like I accept this, but not this. Right. Wholehearted acceptance yeah. means whatever is showing up is showing up. And whatever he has to learn through him, he's learning. And whatever I have to live, learn through my path is being learned here. There's almost an unwillingness to let anything disrupt this universal love that we're both abiding in and that we're facing the same direction mm -hmm. with the same vision for life, walking side by side in this love that is pervading existence. It's only if non-acceptance creeps in that resistance shows up. Yes. It's a good vow to make to yourself it's a personal vow that you make to yourself not to someone else yeah. i didn't make that vow to him i made that vow to myself and it's allowed for a freshness and a beauty and a depth and a grace in this marriage i had dr hamal patel on who's dr joe's number one scientist at this moment students of you know blood work and science have finally come to dr joe and said okay it's been 15 years you're getting cancer patients free of cancer. So I'm sure that's happening with you too, because you are. I have many different accreditations, but I'm not a quantum physicist, but okay. I've studied it. Okay. You studied it. Well, you could have fooled me because you talked science so much during those days that I was like, oh my yes. God, this lady is a genius in science, which makes you so credible because you really get how cells work. But anyway, he is proving now that through blood work, that um, meditative blood work, people who meditate either a lot or a little, it, it's actually when they try to put SARS-2 into the blood, it's not sticking. And you really speak to that in the journey. And so I want people to understand that the journey work is not just taking in information and taking notes. It's literally going deep within in meditation. What do you have to say about meditation? How does that come into the journey work? Well, meditation, guided introspection, with the journey, it's very deep process work where you go on a journey inside your body and you literally uncover what your soul wants to expose to you, what you're ready to face and clear in your life emotionally, cell memory wise, and what you're karmically ready to finally finish with. And it's so, it's both meditation we do a lot of meditation in the journey but also we do a lot of process work where you let your own truth reveal what's stored inside your body what's buried there you go through your own process of release and letting go understanding your own process of forgiveness so that when new cells are born they're born devoid of that old consciousness i could talk to you for hours god bless you thank you so much for my song thank you so much for being such a light you are holy and i'm so blessed and honored to to have shared this space with you and to know you and to know your work by the way if they can't see you and can only hear you they should know that you are radiant yourself you are beautiful glowing and pure and so they'll hear that in your music, though. I love this. I love seeing you again. 
great, huge blessings to you and to everyone and a heartfelt namaste. Namaste. All right. See you soon. Be well. And here are some takeaways from today's episode. Forgiveness is paramount before love. Forgiveness for the sake of love and acceptance of our journey versus what are the facts, who's right, etc. It can affect others and someone else forgiving themselves is none of your business, but sometimes it happens because you forgave them first. Sometimes you have to let go of the pride of being a good person, quote unquote, and sometimes it can even physically hurt to do that. Try this exercise. Say to yourself out loud, this that I am is not, and then fill in the blank. For example, this that I am is not my relationships. This that I am not is my financial gains. There is only this, this presence, this love that does not go away. Make a vow to truth because it will be true to you. Brandon believes that the great awakening really is falling in love with yourself. When you feel your emotions freely, your cell receptors stay open. When we shut down our emotions, our biochemistry is being buried into our bodies. Accept the love of your life wholly, W-H-O-L-E-L-Y, and then there will be no expectations that are unmet. No one really completes you. You are 100% whole and your other is 100% whole. Make your vows of unconditional love to yourself, not to your partner, to yourself, and then it automatically comes through to your partner because you realize that Everyone is connected as one beautiful soul. And listen up at the end of this episode for You Are Gold, the song that was transmitted to me during my experience in the journey work with Brandon Bays. If you know somebody with a great story about forgiveness, failure, or freedom, please share them with us. If you learned something new or feel like something from this episode could inspire someone else, please share the episode on your Facebook page or Instagram and tag that person and tag us too. You can find all of our social medias, drop us a note, or join our newsletter at www.c1beautifulsoul.com. See the light at the end of the tunnel. I see you cursing at the things that happened to you. I see you wondering to yourself, how could this be true? But you know, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And you know, you are a lot like me.
go. Oh.